Welcome to Creating Your Happy Place, a podcast that explores what it takes to create our happy place and then empowers you to do whatever it takes to get happy at home. I'm Rebecca West, host of Creating Your Happy Place and author of the book, Happy Starts at Home, and I'm so glad you're here today. Now, our guest today is what I would call a connector. She's the kind of person who just seems to know everybody and loves nothing more than connecting awesome folks with other awesome folks. Community just seems to follow her wherever she goes, and it's at the root of why she created a co-working space in Linwood, Washington, giving folks a place to connect with and be supported by other like-minded, driven business people. I've known our guest for years now, but I reached out to her to join us today because about a year ago, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I was really curious to know how that would affect her, how she saw her co-working community and how or if that hospital environment might've affected her diagnosis and treatment and how or if she needed to make any changes to her home space as part of this cancer scare. So I am delighted to welcome to the show, founder of Spark business services, Tracy Warren. Welcome to the show, Tracy. Hello. I'm so excited to have this conversation with you today. I mean, some of the stuff we're talking about today is a little heavy, but there are going to be some golden nuggets we can take away for how to take care of ourselves through crises and plus to share the story of space and how that has been a part of your business Mm. story this whole time. Absolutely. You told me you live in a duplex with your husband, your adult son, and one apparently very cranky dog. Very cranky. (laughs) And you founded a co-working space where entrepreneurs can gather together to spark business success. So I'm curious, did you personally find it hard to work from home? And was that part of what sparked the idea of having a place you could run away to? Absolutely. One, I'm an extrovert. And so working from home was death to me. (laughs) Well, especially in the winter months when it's super dark outside and not actually seeing other humans during the day that weren't my offspring um, (laughs) was like, it's so draining, so draining. Yeah. And if you would, I'm guessing then that it's not so much the people you were living with, but it's also the fact that you're extroverted. You just needed to be around other people. I do. And I need people, other people who are in the same space, like they're entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. small business owners, so that I have someone who gets gets me and gets what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, because you could have just gone to a cafe and that gives you a lot of that kind of social feeling, but you're not, I mean, it'd be kind of weird if you walked up to random people at Starbucks and started talking about their business. Hey, I have this idea. Can I run it by you? Yeah, I don't think that would work very well. Although if anybody could pull it off, it probably is you, Tracy. I have actually done that since (laughs) opening InSpark. I have hit up people at Starbucks and said, why are you working here in, you know, more kind terms than that, but definitely (laughs) have. I love it. So let's talk about space in general to begin with. What did you think about when you were setting up this co-working space? What needs did you think people would have and how did you address those needs? I honestly wanted there to be something here for everyone. Um, I wanted there to be tall desks and short desks and private spaces and comfy spaces. So if you want to take a nap, if you have a migraine, we have a couch you can lay down on, that kind of thing. So just trying to be all things to those people who might want to use the space. 
Absolutely. And places for gathering, but also places for solo work because even extroverts, I'm guessing, need to sometimes focus. Yes. That's what, <laughs> that's, that's what I use my earbuds for when I'm here. Like if my earbuds are in, I'm focused mm-hmm. and don't interrupt me, please. And that's interesting because I've actually talked to other guests about the ability to send signals, especially if you are working from home, because, you know, as we know, a lot of people are working from home right now who would rather not be working from home. Yes. Um, And so having some of those cues where you can say to your kids or your spouse, like, this is, this is the cue that says I'm focusing, like my earbuds are in, or this candle is lit, or this door is shut, is part of our sanity. 100%. It's a boundaries thing too. And I think Working from home can be hard if you've never had to put up those boundaries before. Yeah, a lot of people went into COVID real seasoned work from homers and they're like, what's the big deal? But it's a it's a skill set that you grow over time. Oh, I like that. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so you have this co-working space. When you see people interacting in this co-working space, what do you notice about when they first come in? How do they establish their territory? Do they have the same work routine every single time? Is it different from person to person? You know, I, one of the things that I've always said is there is no normal day here. Even the people who come work here on a full-time basis, sometimes they're here at nine, sometimes they're here at noon, which I think for somebody who likes variety can make co-working a really unique opportunity because you just never know who you're going to see. I will say that even part-time members, they definitely have a spot that they call their own, right? So they tend to work in the same spot every time they come. That's interesting. Um, Yeah, it is interesting. Or maybe they switch it up, but most of the time it's so-and-so sits over here and -and so-and-so sits over here. And even when I'm talking about people who work here, I point as if they're here (laughs) because that's where they always work. Well, you think about back when we were all in grade school, what's the first, the the first seat we chose when we went to class tended to be the seat we kept for the rest of the year, right? Assigned seats. So there's the, the time when your teacher would tell you where you needed to sit. And then there's also the, well, I've claimed this spot. It's now officially mine. Right. I think there's something to be said for that familiarity that helps us. It's almost like ritual that helps mm-hmm. us get into a work mindset. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. even just the chair you're choosing to sit in can be part of the ritual of saying, I am now in a mental workspace. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I'm guessing that mixing it up a little bit is part of what can spark creativity. So actually forcing yourself out of that familiar territory and into a different zone can help you see things from a new vantage point. Yeah, absolutely. We have a guy who's, we have a member who's a dentist. And when he first joined, I was like, I don't understand why you're working here. And he said, if I go to my dentist's office to do work, I get interrupted. And he always sits on the couch and he puts his feet up on the, you know, the coffee table. And that's just kind of, you know, his space. I totally understand that. I actually, because where I work, it's an open concept workspace. And so if I'm in our design studio, I'm always available, which I want. I want my staff to feel that way, but it means that I don't have a space for myself. And if I want to just focus that a coffee shop used to be one of my go-tos, obviously now (laughs) it's my home office, Um, but being able to be away from people so they can't interrupt your flow is also part of the recipe to success. Always available 
can be a good thing and it can be a bad thing, mm-hmm. depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Now, have you seen people come into the space or you know, tried out co-working and it didn't work? What do you think makes it something that's successful or less successful for somebody? You know, I think that's a really good question. And I'm not sure if I've seen a pattern. I know that someone fits right in when um, they take off their shoes, like they sit down and they find a chair and then they take off their shoes. I'm like, okay, they feel at home. Or if they're overhearing a conversation and they interject in the conversation, I know they're going to be at home because while what we offer is a workspace, what we are is a community and that connection, like knowing who you're working around can be really important for Mm. a lot of people. So what about when you have somebody who has less than stellar work habits and they are interrupting people or they eat loudly or something? How do you manage that? Um, We actually had a member a little while ago and she smoked. And not that smoking is, you know, you can't smoke if you're going to be a member here. But there was something about like she would come in and the smoke would come with her. Hmm. And so it was very distracting. And I was totally prepared to like have a crunchy conversation with her about that. And she opted out. Like she decided it was time for her to go. And which was beautiful because then I didn't have to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, But I think in general, it's like, I don't want to be the mom. Like that is not why I started a co-working space. And so my <laughs> encouragement is to ha- like talk to one another. Um, we definitely have some people here who you can tell they spend their life around toddlers and then they come here and they're like, ah, it's adults. I want to talk to everyone. And we are all trying to get work done. And there's a time and place for everything, right? So we definitely have our times where we're chitty chatty and other times when we're not. Yeah, absolutely. Have you, have you established any community rules or expectations for people that come into the co-working space? I think the biggest community rule is if somebody has their earbuds in, that's a signal that they're not available. Mm-hmm. Um, although I've looked at creating some other, like maybe even little placards that they could put like, hey, I'm in a zone. Don't bug me right now. Well, a gal who used to be a member of her, she has 10-year-old twins. And one of the twins said, I have an idea for the co-working space. She could have bugs and like plastic bugs. So if the bug is out, it means don't bug me. So I'm like, okay, that's a very clever. That's adorable. Yeah. And it kind of fits right in with my personality. But up until now, I have not yet gone out and bought plastic bugs. Because of COVID, we're already all sort of staying far apart from each other anyway, so. Yeah, I'm assuming that you were shut down completely for a while, and then now you're using, you're practicing social distancing and masks and all the stuff. Yes, we've had to get rid of some furniture Mm -hmm. because we just had, we had too many chairs and too many tables. So now, yeah, and we have 4,000 square feet, so even if we had 20 people working on a day or 25, that's still like. 150, 200 square feet per person. Yeah, totally. So we have plenty of room. Now, in the midst of being an entrepreneur, as I mentioned in the intro, you 
had a health crisis come up. Tell us a little bit about when you found out and what, how that all unraveled for you. Uh, unravel is the perfect word. Hmm. So October last year, I went in for, a, you know, my regularly scheduled mammogram. And in November, I had a callback. And I have callbacks all the time, so I didn't think anything about it. Um, but as they were doing the ultrasound, they, um, they started looking under my armpit, and then I knew I was in trouble. Like, I knew I was in trouble. This isn't just breast, it's lymph. And um, so, yeah, so there was about a month there when I didn't have a plan, and that was the worst thing for me. Like, yes, you have a diagnosis of breast cancer. Okay, go ahead. We'll call you in a couple of weeks. And I'd be like, I was like, no, no, no. You don't understand. You'll drive yourself crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Give me a plan. Let me know what we're doing. And maybe give me a small prescription of Xanax. And then let's go forward. <laughs> yeah. Because it's the uncertainty that makes things so scary. Mm -hmm. It's when things are unnamed and unplanned that we feel so out of control. As soon as I had a plan, I felt so much better. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, here's a plan. We're doing it. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even if it was something silly, like your job is to eat four cups of kale every day, even if that was just like a holding pattern while they really they figured out the real plan, something to tell you, here's some action you can take. Here's some control you can have. The one thing they told me not to do was don't go to Google. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> that advice. was the nurse. She was like, whatever you do, do not go Google this. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can not Google. Easy enough. Were you actually successful at not Googling? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now, I would, I would Google a few things. Like, I was having these blood tests and other tests where, like, it's a bunch of letters together. And I'm like, what even is this? <laughs> Those things I would Google. But from sure. a, none of the other, like, WebMD, I have a tumor and I'm going to die um, kind of Googling, <laughs> you know. See were you Everybody. able to stay in a pretty positive place throughout the journey of this? I, I was, I was. Um, and in the end, the COVID closure, when we were actually closed, the timing was perfect because I think we officially closed March 23rd. For COVID or for cancer? For COVID. For COVID. <laughs> and, um, that was when I was nearing the end of my chemotherapy and I felt pretty good through most of it, but I really did start to feel pretty crummy right about then. So it was great. We were closed. It didn't matter. I felt crummy. I stayed at home. So um, linings. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, then I had to have surgery, a mastectomy. And what I learned through that process is I didn't need to be in my business 50 hours a week for it to run, right? If I wasn't here, that's the benefit of having a community is if I'm not here, there's someone else who can do a tour or show someone around or get them hooked up to the Wi-Fi or all of those things. That's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah. So, having built this community for so long, they were then there for you when you needed support. Absolutely. It was kind of it's been kind of remarkable how this whole year has played out. Um, so I had a mastectomy, then I had 
Then I had radiation and actually my, I had a really bad skin reaction to the radiation um, that as far as I'm concerned was way worse than the chemotherapy. Um, so there was about three weeks when I couldn't, I couldn't put clothes on without it being really uncomfortable. And so I just stayed home. Yeah. Well, that's an excellent segue into your home. So before, yeah. <laughs> before cancer, how did you feel about your home? Are you the kind of person who loves your home, who decorates your home? Is your home sort of been a backdrop that you don't even pay attention to? What's your relationship there? I love where we live. Um, we, we do live in a duplex, but it's one of those newer duplexes. So the only connection between the two houses is the garage. So we don't hear our neighbors, we, unless their garage door opens, which is the only time. But um, I, we have a gas fireplace, which I love. Um, yeah, so I love where we work. Now the challenge, which you may have been getting ready to ask me about is I didn't have a place to work from home. Right. Because I created an here. entire co-working space. Yeah, I had, I didn't have a desk. I, you know, I had nothing to work from home. So what did you do? Um, so my husband moved his office upstairs. My daughter moved out last year. So there's an extra bedroom. So he moved upstairs. I, I had to get a table. Um, and now I have this cute little workspace with a whiteboard and a bookshelf. Um, because I did have to work from home quite a bit. And you, that was all before COVID. So you were actually figuring out a work from home space before COVID or was that because of COVID? Like, is it the cancer or the COVID or both? It might've been both. I can't remember the exact timing, but it may have been both. Cause if not, I was going to be sitting on the couch with my laptop, which causes all sorts of physical pain, right? Your head's not in the right spot. You're you're looking down and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think it might have been just both. That um, makes sense. And so now I have a space to work. Now I have a space to work, but I can't really spread out. Like if I want to spread out, I need to come here. To, right. To, yeah. Plus, you got to get your extrovert social time in. I do. I do. <laughs> so to, let's talk about the spaces as it comes to what you experienced with your treatment and with healing, right? So let's talk about the hospital to start with because hospitals are not known for being the most pleasant place to spend time. And some of these treatments take a lot of time. Yeah. So yeah. what did you experience and what did you do to make that time and space happy for you? Oh gosh, I will tell you one thing. I realized how impatient I was because when you go, when I was going to chemotherapy, it's three appointments. It's you show up for one, that's the blood draw. Then you see the oncologist, then you have chemotherapy. So all in, in one day, like all in one day. Mm -hmm. And in theory, what should happen is the blood draw happens on time. And then 15 minutes later, you see the doctor and 15 minutes later or 20 minutes later, you're, you're getting your chemotherapy. That never happened. <laughs> it was, I was waiting 10 extra minutes for the blood draw, then waiting 20 extra minutes for, so what in theory could have taken three hours would take five. Mm -hmm. um, 
But I will also say that, so my husband came with me to almost all of my chemotherapy appointments. Um, and most of that was because it was pre-COVID. Um, I did laugh because once COVID kind of hit, every single week I went to chemotherapy, the regulations to get inside changed. Yeah. So like the first week it was, do you know anybody who's been to China? Then the next week it was, do you know anybody who's been to China and these four other countries? Okay, wait, now we're taking your temperature. Wait, you can't wear that mask. You have to wear this mask. It was just funny. Um, <laughs> and because of just my sense of humor, I kind of made it a game. Um, when it came to chemotherapy, I had my, I had a bag. And so I brought props every week, right? So uh, it was my Wonder Woman bag. And I always had some sort of Wonder Woman figurine or something, or some sort of squishy, you know, a big squishy pillow. Uh, I have this little magic wand that when you whack it on something, it twinkles. <laughs> so I always had, like the nurses, I think, this is just my sense of humor and who I am. Because if not, there's a lot of dread in the air at chemotherapy. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm not down for dread. Like, let's make this fun. Let's, you know, in whatever way I can, like the simplest ways, because it's not like I'm spending all day there. Right. Um, plus, I knew they were about to give me steroids, which made me feel like I was Superman <laughs> or Wonder Woman, I suppose. So did you, yeah. and you did you did you know to pack a bag from day one? You're like, I'm going to be bored. I'm going to bring some toys. Uh, I did it from day one. Um, I remember. So my mom had chemotherapy back in 2009. So you've been through this before. I have been through it where we just sat there. And like there was nothing to do. Hmm. Um, and as time went on because of COVID, like they took all the magazines out of the so yeah, I always, I didn't want to just sit on my phone, like maybe I'm going to listen to music or I'm going to read a book or play with toys. <laughs> Love it. Because nobody's old, too old for toys. Life no. should be fun. Yeah. So then in your, in your actual home where there, was there anything that you had to do to accommodate your energy levels or how you were sleeping or, or did ever, was everything able to stay exactly the same? Also, you had a massive surgery, so that's going to be part I of the surgery, too. I did, and actually, so I made sure I I adjusted, so I, I moved a piece of furniture so that I had a side table next to me where I could reach it with my left, right hand. I don't <laughs> know my right for my left. Um, and definitely the squishies, like when I say squishy, I'm talking about a really soft um, stuffed animal. Um, because that holding on to one, I still sleep with one because I still have some pain. Mm -hmm. Um, I needed that to be able to sleep, but actually after the surgery, I was really kind of surprised how quickly, um, I felt kind of normal. Now I rested a lot, mm -hmm. but I didn't have to do a ton. Now you, you're mentioning these squishies. Now, some people would have grabbed a pillow. You <laughs> grabbed things with personality. How, first of all, how many of these squishies do you have? Three, so, do they have certain personalities? No, they were, 
two of them were gifts from my daughter. Um, she, because she doesn't live at home and because of COVID, she, she works in retail, so she can't come over. Um, right. Or if she does come over, she doesn't stay close. So one of the squishies is a unicorn and mine is a big one and she bought herself a little one. Aww. So it was kind of her way of like, I know I can't go, like she also couldn't come to treatment with me because I could only have one person mm-hmm. and that was great. Um, so one of them's a giraffe. Like there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to them. And you're right. It could be a pillow, but these are just so much softer. And it sounds like they're softer and they make you smile. And yeah. smiling is a part of healing. Yeah. And when I wasn't, so when I had my mastectomy surgery, I couldn't have anyone with me. So I definitely have my squishy and I have pictures of, I put the, the um, surgical cap on the squishy oh. and sent a picture. Yeah. You know, it's got to be. It has to be fun. There has like, it could be a drag. Well, like, and I'm sure there. Were, I'm I'm guessing it wasn't all sunshine and roses. I'm guessing there were moments that were a drag. There there were moments, um, but honestly, there weren't too many. I was kind of like, let's go, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, your eye on your focus on the future of this. Yeah, not the, not the past I, or the scare. I've got stuff to do. Let's keep moving. <laughs> So you're, you're still healing from these surgeries right now. I am. There's, Mm -hmm. I have some pain that I wasn't anticipating. Um, I still can't feel my toes, which is super annoying. Um, and like, this this is the first, was this your dominant hand or dominant side or non-dominant side? Non-dominant. That's lucky. Yes. Super helpful. As you've been recovering, because part of your body is out of commission, are there things around the house that you found su- surprisingly difficult, like turning on the shower or reaching to the cupboard that's where your vitamins are? We are always like, that used to be easy uh-huh. and now it's hard. Yep, that one. I'm that like, one. Um, yeah, I definitely had to think about like, okay, I can't put that there because I won't be able to reach it again. And again, the I had the side table that I made sure to put on the right so that I could have my glass of water there or my cup of coffee or whatever. Mm -hmm. So as as you've experienced, you're you're making these things adapt to you. Have you intentionally made sure that your space was adapting to you in the past or is this kind of a new thing? Oh man, that's a good question. I think I have just lived with things the way they were. I won't do that anymore because it's way more fun to adapt it to the way I want it. Right. Like, right. Why would I wait? Why would I make it this way? Cause there should be way more ease in our lives. And I think sometimes I, let me say I, when it's I, uh, sometimes I make things way more challenging than they need to be. Hmm. Do you have an example in mind that that brings up for you? I can think of all sorts of examples in my work life. Like rather than creating a template, I will send the same email over and over and over, but I rewrite it every single time. Like that is just stupid. It's also universal. So if that makes you feel better. Okay. But instead like, okay, no, how can I bring ease to this? And I, 
the irony is before my diagnosis, I had already chosen my word of the year was going to be ease. Little did oh, you know. That's funny. Um, so I asked myself a lot, how can I bring ease to this, whatever it is? Yeah. Like, how can I make this easier? How can I make this more simple? You said that your mother also went through cancer. Yes. What was your experience of her space and helping her create spaces that would help her manage? She, um, she was stubborn as a mule. Um, there was no changing or making anything easier for her. Um, she just, yeah, I, I say that she died from stubbornness and not cancer because she waited way, way, way too long before she ever saw the doctor. And she very strategically ate food. So when I came over, she'd always like send me to Jack in the Box or to go get Rocky Road ice cream or something. Um, so I guess that was one way she was creating ease that she wasn't going to cook. I would be fine if I never cooked again myself, <laughs> honestly. I'm totally in that boat with you. <laughs> I wonder, you said, it was interesting. So I said, you know, how did you create space for her that would accommodate her? And you said, she's stubborn. And I wonder if for some people taking the easy road or making the road easier actually feels like failure or defeat. Like I should mm. be strong enough to, to take on this challenge exactly the way it is. Like, yeah. Oh, but like, yeah, life should be a struggle. Like that sounds horrible. <laughs> well, like, there's a lot of, yes work hard, it'll make you stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So if you take the easy road, then you must be, I don't know, weak. Well, and I can see that in some instances, but um, I, you know, if I could have done my life without this last year, I would have, <laughs> like, that would have been kind of nice. I mean, it's not like life doesn't give us plenty of challenges. So we might as well make a few of them easy because there's gonna be plenty of hard things coming our way. Absolutely. Well, and I also, I'm a, I, like Michelle Mazur says words have wattage. And I think the more we say things are hard, the harder they're going to be. Hmm. Now that doesn't mean we're not going to have hard things. But if I had said during my entire journey, oh, cancer sucks. It's so hard. Like, oh, it would have been, it would have been miserable. It makes it heavier. Yeah. And I think I never even really said I have cancer. I said, there is cancer living in my body uninvited and I am ready for it to leave. <laughs> it's like a house like, guest and you're like, you I, have overstayed your welcome. Yeah. I didn't, I never wanted to own it. Like it's mine because huh. it, it was not mine. It was, you know, living uninvited. Yeah. That's, that's really powerful. You said your um, your adult son lives in, in the house with you. Yes. How is it having three adults living in that space together? I want to be an empty nester. <laughs> um, it's, you know, he really, um, he stays to himself a lot of the time. So a lot of the time we don't even know he's there, mm -hmm. um, which is great. And we are planning on moving in April-ish, like when our lease runs out. And why are you trying to, why are you planning on moving? We want to buy something. Oh, 
it's a good yeah. reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're, we want to make it clear to him that there's no room for him in the so new he's place. A, he's a baby bird that needs a little pushing out of the nest. Yes. I was that kind of a bird. So I understand yeah. that. And, and we want him to be successful when he moves out. So it's not like, go ahead, kid, you're on your own, right? <laughs> like we're, we're also kind of reasonable. Um, and, kind of reasonable. And get out. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think about the difference of being empty nesters versus having your adult son living in the house, why does it feel different? What's, what are you hoping is different from that chapter versus this chapter? So the adult who lives at home is a boy. I would like to be able to, not that I would sit around naked if I wanted to, but I don't want to feel like I need to, like if I'm getting dressed or whatever, that I need to stay in my room to do that, right? Like, let me be naked if I want to be naked. Yes, the sense um, of freedom. It's sort of like right now, none of us can leave the country. So suddenly we all want to yeah. leave the country because we're like cats and we've been told <laughs> we can't. Yes. Um, and I think just other things like, you know, knowing where things are. Like, how come there's no towels in the cupboard where the towels are supposed to be? Or just little things, right? Like, um, you you spent is. the majority of your adult life being a mom. Yeah. And now you might, sounds like you're kind of ready to maybe be no. an independent woman again. Yes. Yes. And like I said, he is pretty self, like he buys all of his own food and, you know, he is pretty self-sustaining and um, yeah, freedom. Freedom Just is a nice thing. And so earlier you're saying you also want him to be successful. So you're also looking forward to a new chapter starting for him, it sounds like. Absolutely. And I might be nudging it along. Like, oh, your girlfriend. Um, what have you guys been like? Have you guys been talking at all about <laughs> talking at all about the future and maybe what's next and maybe moving in together or I don't know. Just we so like to have fun. So I'm gonna mess with him a little bit too, right? Because that's what we do. So it's your family culture. Every yeah. family has one. Yeah. When you think about your next, the house you want to buy, what's on the wish list? Mm. I really, really, really want to be able to see either mountains or lots of trees. I mean, water would be great. And I don't think that's in our price range right now, but I love being surrounded by trees or being able to see the mountains. It just makes me feel so at peace. I had an aha. We went to Orcas Island, oh gosh, a year and a half or so ago. And I kind of had this, oh, I get it. Like going to the beach where it's hot, that does not attract me at all. Like look at my skin. I am white. Um, <laughs> but being at, we were at Rosario, you could see all the water and all the trees. And I'm like, this, this makes me feel at peace. Because um, it's even interesting, because right I said, what's on the wish list for your home? And you immediately talked about the geography <laughs> of the home. So it's not, so what's top of mind for you isn't the number of bedrooms or the master bathroom suite Wait. or the closet space. Soaking tub. I want a tub that I can soak in. 
But that's interesting because yeah. because you now mentioned two things that are about your your calm, your peace, being centered, right? So it sounds like that's one of the things you really want from your home. Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Right? Isn't that like that should be, in my opinion, that's how I want to feel at home. Like, like that's something I have never had. We've never had gas in a home before. Um, so having a gas fireplace and stove and oven and stuff, um, like the fact that I can just push a button and the fireplace turns on, like, okay, this is kind of cool. That's how I feel about hot showers. Like I, I've never oh. been without them except for when I was in Nicaragua, but I can literally turn a handle and be doused in hot water. Like that is magic. It's, <laughs> it is magic. And I really, you're right. I don't, um, like we have a master bedroom now that has a huge closet and the master bedroom is huge. And I'm like, what, what else would somebody put in this space? Like, I don't even understand. And it's well, funny because- maybe it's because you're self-identifying as an extrovert. You know, an introvert might be like, I really like all this space to myself. And you're like, where's the party? Yeah, we put a chair in the nook. There's a little nook. And so we put a recliner up there that I thought, oh, maybe I would sit up there and read a book. But what did you call my dog earlier? See, because now- Cranky. <laughs> cranky. So now the dog has figured out, wait, I can, I can stand on the chair and see out the second story. And I have a whole new level of people I can bark at. So um, really, you got a dog for the chair, a chair for the dog. Yeah. Um, also my new house, well, not, maybe not this one. I really want a fenced yard because I have this lifetime vision. I want to adopt senior dogs, hmm. you know? Yeah. What's on Greg's, your husband, Greg's wish list for, for the new home? I am not sure. We haven't talked about it a ton, um, except that I know he wants a place to, um, make a man cave, but not um, he's into audio engineering and recording. And so he really wants a space that he can put up all the soundproofing and blast music as loud as he wants to. Um, and he has a man cave space now, but it was once a bedroom. And so blasting the music as loud as he wants doesn't necessarily work that great. It's not going to give you that sense of calm that you're looking for? No. Um, <laughs> so I think him and I need to kind of compare notes because if I have to choose between like a gas fireplace and a soaking tub, I'm going to choose the soaking tub, I think, nine times out of ten. Like that's really high on my list. Mm -hmm. In where we live now, the master bedroom only has a shower. So if I want to take a bath, oh, here's another benefit of being an empty member. I have to clean the shower that the boy uses. Yeah. And no. Nah. No. Because then I really, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just not, it's just not the same. So one of the things I'm always wondering about, you know, so I can tell you're, you're craving some nature around you, that sense of calm, some places where you can, you can recharge quietly so that you have all that energy, I'm guessing to go be an extrovert. Um, but when you think back to the homes you've had or the house you grew up in as a child, how have you had a space that really gave you that sense of calm? Are you still waiting to have that for the first time in your life? What's your home history? 
I feel like I've had that before. Um, as a kid, we moved like 40 times growing up. Four, so, zero, 40? Four, zero. Wow. So I think one of the favorite places I ever lived, I was in eighth grade. So this was a little bit ago. We lived in a house in Issaquah and the Issaquah Creek ran through our backyard. And I loved that. Now, sometimes that meant there were salmon swimming by. Um, But even the last place we lived was an apartment, Mm -hmm. but it's a newer apartment. So we never heard our neighbors, but but if you, there was a deck and if you looked outside, it was all, it was trees. There was a green belt. Um, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to be said for the trees. Like I'm in a room right now, like I'm looking out a window and there's trees. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what, what is it you think that people don't think about when they're trying to create their own happy place? Cause you've now, you know, had more than 40 homes, some of which were yeah. as a child and you didn't have a lot of control over them. And you've created a co-working space. So you're really thinking about the needs of other humans. Mm-hmm. What do you think people don't think about and maybe should when they're trying to create their own happy place? I think there's a lot of people, because this was me, like I didn't really know what I wanted. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't know really what they want. And, and so they settle for what they have um, and what they have seems like good enough. And it feels like you could be talking about home or almost anything else in one's life. Well, very true, true. Um, the other thing I'm realizing is the older I get, the less stuff I want. Um, and so we went through this process. So in 2009, my mom passed away, Greg's dad passed away, and my grandmother passed away. And so for a while there, we had accumulated some of their stuff. Mm-hmm. And we started holding things up like, do I need this to remember my mother by? No, no, I don't. <laughs> and we got, we got really good. But I think just there's something to be said for knowing, knowing what you want and being able to express that. And for some people, that just takes time because they just don't know. Or maybe they're experimenting like, okay, maybe I want my room to be orange and have octopuses all over it. Um, but maybe I know, right? Yeah. I love your orange and, <laughs> and octopuses. Because yeah, and octopuses because they're the best. Yeah. So you said that you establish a word of the year for yourself every year. Is that one of the techniques you've used to try and figure out what the heck you actually want? Um, yes. And I'm trying to remember, because there was just something really ironic about my breast cancer diagnosis because of my word of the year, that year. And I ju- now I just can't remember what it is. But um, it just, it's something I started a couple years ago, just kind of as a, uh, just a place to land, like this whole idea of ease. Why do I make things so hard for myself? How can I add ease into it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, well, and that word served me very well this year. Yeah. Yeah, like I got really good at taking naps because I had to and I stopped setting my alarm, which was amazing. 
Yeah, no kidding. And it takes a bit of discipline for somebody who is a driven idea-filled entrepreneur to slow down and stop. Yes. Well, I watched this video a few years ago. It was talking about the difference between men and women and how men and their brains have a nothing box. And this is not a dig on men. It's that sometimes you can ask a man what they're thinking about and they can literally say nothing. And when I first heard that, I felt empowered because I was like, okay, if men can have a nothing box, dang it, so can I. And so when I would try to, instead of laying down and going, oh my gosh, I have to do this and I have to do this. I, I'm like, nothing box. Go, okay, there's a nothing box. Go to the nothing box. Um, now I can take a nap like when, it, when I need one. But for a while there, I had to visualize this. Okay, there's a nothing box. It's not my to-do list. I will get to that when I get up or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I think all of these things are muscles, right? We, the same way we have to develop muscles in order to exercise with ease, because at first it's not easy. <laughs> Meditation is the same way. It will not be easy until you go through the hard part. Or, you know, if you're an introvert and you're trying to be more extroverted, those first couple conversations are going to be like torture. Um, alternatively, if you're an extrovert and you're trying to have some quiet time with your own brain, that those minutes can feel like torture. So, um, practicing it, even if it's as silly sounding as I want you to practice relaxing, those sound like they're contradictory, but if you're not good at relaxing and I will hold right. up my hand loud and proud and say, I'm one of those, you do have to practice it and take it in small bites. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think the other thing, so the older I've gotten, the, the easier it is for me to relax. Mm -hmm. Um, and also in creating this home space, where my husband also works from home, we had to learn like, okay, wait a minute. Like till death do us part did not mean 24 hours a day, seven <laughs> days a week. Um, and so finding like figuring out what works for us too. Like I know I'm an extrovert. And sometimes when I get home from the office, I, I need to decompress too. Um, just like you did when you actually went to your office because he's an introvert. Right, so, exactly, yeah. yeah. How have you accommodated for some of that? Do you guys have quiet time or do you have signals for each other or do you just give him the stink eye? You know, it's definitely, sometimes it might be the stink eye, but <laughs> most of the time it's just like, I need to tell him like, okay, like I'm wiped and I just need some quiet time or I'm wiped. Can we just watch John Oliver or whatever it is, but him having his man cave, if you will, has also been, I mean, it's great for him because if he's had a yucky day at work and he just wants to go, you know, kill somebody in a video game, he can do that. So you, you said a couple of times you love your home. What is it that you love about your home? Why does it make you happy? Oh, I love it because it's quiet. Um, in general, we can't hear our neighbors. We have a big, huge backyard the dog can run around in. Um, I also love, it's fairly new. And so everything works. Like my landlord came over a couple of weeks ago and I almost didn't recognize him because I haven't seen him since we moved in two and a half years ago. That's great. So he walked up and I was like, okay, is that wrong? Is that him? Um, and then he, yeah, he made sure I knew it was him. 
Um, but you know, we have somebody that comes and does our grass. So when he comes to do the grass, that makes me happy because I come home and the yard looks nice. Well, what I'm hearing is a theme here, right? You're looking for things that don't have to be hard. You're looking for ways to make them not hard. Like you have a house that is low maintenance. You have a yard that is low maintenance. Um, it's calm, it's peaceful. And I think that's really interesting because anybody who knows you knows that you are a bundle of energy. And I would not have said before this conversation, I would have expected your home to be party central. And it sounds like actually your home is the place where you get the, the quiet, the calm, the recharging that you need in order to go out in the world and be the party animal that I know you to be. Well, so the dog um, that we brought up a couple of times. The, crank, the cranky dog. The cranky dog, he bites people. Oh. So we can't have people over. So <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that is the one part of the home that is not ease for me is the dog mm -hmm. um and we've done some training and he causes me anxiety because he's anxious and dogs you know dogs have, are on guard right and mm -hmm. since someone has been home every day since COVID started he's more anxious than he's ever been and that's that's kind of a tall order yeah, and I know that a lot of people listening have gotten themselves a COVID dog and they are dealing with puppyhood and adolescenthood and a lot of dog behavior, which is normal, but may not have realized what they've gotten themselves involved in. And now they're 24 seven with a spouse and a puppy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will admit, I'm grateful my friends have gotten puppies because I get to see some really cute pictures. Um, I'm not we adopted this dog when he was two. Um, he was also a rescue from Texas. And mm -hmm. at two, I never thought to ask the question, is he potty trained? Because of course he's two. Nope. He wasn't potty trained. And I had never potty trained a dog before. So that was kind of an interesting, yeah. Third story apartment, no <laughs> elevator, potty training a dog. Yeah, good times. <laughs> No kidding. The, the, the challenges we take on sometimes when we don't even mean to. So um, is there anything you would want to leave listeners with when they're thinking about creating spaces to work either inside or outside of the home, getting ready for empty nesting, surviving non-empty nesting? What would you want people to take away from this conversation? Oh. I think I think something that I'm surprised came up in this conversation is ask yourself what do you want and what do you love instead of just settling for what you have mm -hmm. um, because when you can create space that you really love like inspark is my is is a happy place for me i love it here um, for any number of reasons um, but i think so often it's just like well this is what i've got and it doesn't take much I mean, you're talking about squishy pillows and a magic wand, right? Yeah, yeah. But if it's fresh flowers, you know, go buy yourself fresh flowers once a week. If it's, I mean, who knows? It might be something different for you. If you want to light a candle, light a candle. Um, Malicious Women Candle Company has some very fun candles. Is that one of your members? No. No, that'd be no, so cool. They're in Snohomish, Washington. They they make the candles with the um, 
really fun expletive. They're kind of like snarky, right? They're super oh, fun. Super snark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be the, you know, something. What am I, I don't need a thousand dollar monitor to make me happy. I can right. make myself It doesn't happy. have to be grown up and refined. It can it be as snarky be, and sassy as you want. It can be straws that have, you know, squirrels on them. It doesn't matter. Like, I love it. Like, yeah, I want to buy things that make me happy. I think that's marvelous. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to find you or InSpark, where would they go about doing that? You can go to InSparkCoworking.com. Um, we're in Linwood and, um, you know, co-working has been, this has been a really challenging time for co-working. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I also know that it's a great way to, you know, get out of your space and create some different, like the creativity that abounds by changing your location. Absolutely. I love it here. Can I just say that again? I love it. I get, we get new artwork on the walls every so often. Normally we have it up for three months, but I told the people whose art this is, I'm like, no, can we leave it up? Cause nobody has seen this art yet. <laughs> yeah. Everything's, everything's a little bit more drawn out, right? Yes. Now. Yes. Things are slower, yeah. maybe easier. Things are easier. Perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> I love it. And to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Creating Your Happy Place and that our conversation today leaves you feeling a little bit more encouraged and empowered to make your home or your workspace, whatever spaces that you're inhabiting throughout the day, your happy place. Obviously, if you feel stuck, please do check out my book, Happy Starts at Home. It's full of exercises that, like Tracy's talking about, are helping you figure out what you want from your space and maybe what isn't working and what could shift to make it work for you. And if you have a specific design dilemma in your home, you can always reach out to my team because thanks to the magic of the internet, we can help you no matter where you call home. In the meantime, no matter where that home might be located, no matter who you're living with and maybe hope you empty nest from someday, I hope your home makes you seriously happy. Until next time, this has been Rebecca West and Tracy Warren. 